like I've become like increasingly aware of like what's in a market today could be in a museum in 100, 200 years from now. So these are our future artifacts. So these things, they might seem commonplace and cheap to us and they may not, we might not think very deeply about them, but in 300 years from now, that very cheap plastic thing is going to represent something, you know, from our time period. So these are all future artifacts. Everything holds importance or can be referenced for something in the future. Hello, welcome to Overexposed, a podcast about pollution and its effects on everything living and non-living. In every episode, we speak to participants of the Sonic Acts Overexposed residency, and today we speak to researcher and writer Devin Hent about collecting and collections of garments. My name is Andrea González. And my name is Arif Konvaitz. For this podcast, we ask each resident to send us an artifact that has moved their practice in a lasting way. This could be sound or text or an image. Devin sent us an excerpt from the 1996 film The Last Angel of History. We'll play you the excerpt and then we'll speak to Devin. We came across the story of a blues man from the 1930s, a guy called Robert Johnson. Now, the story goes that Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads in the Deep South. He sold his soul, and in return, he was given the secret of a black technology, a black secret technology that we know to be now as the blues. The blues begat jazz, the blues begat soul, the blues begat hip-hop, the blues begat R&B. Now, Flash forward 200 years into the future. Next figure, another hoodlum, another bad boy, scavenger, poet figure. He's called a data thief. 200 years into the future, the data thief has told a story. If you can find the crossroads, a crossroads, this crossroads, if you can make an archaeological dig into this crossroads, you'll find fragments techno fossils and if you can put those elements those fragments together you'll find the code crack that code and you'll have the keys to your future you've got one clue and it's a phrase mothership connection hi Devin. I think we'll just start by asking you how you selected the artifact and what you brought. We just watched it again. And can you tell us a bit more? Because it's the beginning of a film, right? So basically, it's a film by Jonna Comfra, who is a Ghanaian artist working in the UK. And one of the main figures, I guess, I'm not sure, I can't say if he wrote it, but they're part of the same collective which I'm forgetting right now, excuse me, the Black Media Collective, I think, um, Kojo Eshwan. And I, I've met both of them actually separately through my work around Material Company, and I admire their work and the way that they think like so much. But anyway, so the film is about thinking about this kind of figure who is going back into the past and the future just to think about Black technology that is like music and particularly blues music and how that begat other different forms of music and thinking about basically Afrofuturism, the way that Black people have used music and aesthetics to imagine different futures for themselves when the reality, you know, is kind of hard to, to be in. And um, the intro is something that does relate to Afrofuturism also quite abstractly. So we, we have heard it now in the beginning of the podcast. Um, 
But if you only listen to these specific one and a half minutes that you sent, uh, it could also be about different things, right? Yeah, and I think that's why I chose that first minute because like while this film is very specifically thinking about music and music as a technology and kind of the different forms of music that um, blues begot and kind of the connection between the diaspora and the continent, that type of thinking of genealogies and the type of thinking of things and cultures as technologies can be applied to like so many different things. I think I carry that forth with me when I think about like fashion or like clothing being like a technology. And how does that work? Fashion being a technology? I mean, how does that work for you? Well, for me, I guess I think about it in that same way that like technology being a response to a lack or to a need or a way to answer a question to do a certain thing. And it also comes from play and experimentation as well, but that it can it can do something for us that can allow us to do other things, if that makes sense. That's kind of the basics of what a technology is, like a tool that allows us to do something else. For me, it was uh, also super interesting how this introduction is also connected to a method that you seem to work very often, like this idea of finding or like having this archaeological perspective. And I wonder how this is connected to this kind of statement that we hear in the beginning of the film, like this idea of like crossing time. Yeah, I think I didn't realize that until after I sent you guys the clip and I like rewatched the film and I was like, oh yeah, I feel like I'm the data thief. Like I'm the person, you know, <laughs> going and I think about like archives and I think about items representing, you know, the time period in which they're made, but those ideals kind of being pushed forth and moving to the future and how a single item or garment can hold so many different ideals depending on what time period you're looking at or what lands or what culture or you found it or like the individual. And it's thinking like that type of thinking is something I do, but I didn't realize until I saw the film. But I'm also thinking about, I guess thinking about gene genealogies is something that I really hold dear. A lot of thinking about like how a thing is a thing, but it begets different things or it goes into, or it transforms into the future and evolves, becomes something else. And, be, and trying to like trace that evolution of something, I find it to be something so like fun to do. And, it, it, and you learn so much about like life and like political um, happenings and individual human lives and like affects in like, you know, humans as individuals and as like a group mass groups, so, like how we change the meanings of things or the actual design things physically over time and how some things, nothing disappears. It all just evolves into being something else. And tracing that is, I find that to be exciting, I guess. And how do you see non-linearity as a part of that tracing? When I think about non-linearity in the, this idea of tracing, there are a lot of things that I guess that you maybe could assume are connected based on their form or based on their like current contemporary use or connection today. But when you do research, you realize that these, I'm thinking about like, you know, music or sounds or clothing or arts or whatever actually existed in different places at the same time or different times without there forcibly being a connection between each other. So like, The nonlinearity becomes the individual that's making the connection is, I guess, making that connection, even if they're not linear, like they're not directly connected to each other. But just kind of being able to put these two things in conversation with each other is kind of, I don't know, getting around nonlinearity, I guess that makes sense. Connection. Get down in 3D. 
So maybe it would be great also for the listeners, but maybe have like a limited understanding of your practice. If you could also tell us briefly how you work with garments. So yeah, it usually started me like seeing something like sometimes it's an image, but sometimes it is something like a garment in person in a collection or at a store or someone's wearing it and just being like absolutely fascinated with like how did this thing come to be like how did it how why this form why this textile why this color why this person's wearing it in this context and all these different questions I have about it like it goes back to like saying about genealogies what did it used to be is this a new style is this an old style like what is it what is it now and kind of taking like I guess material objects or like artifacts and kind of answering all of these questions around it And also, like I said, like I made in the video for the residency. So it means a lot of me like talking to people, to asking questions. Because a lot of things you realize about, especially in like non-Western slash non-global Northern context, things aren't written down. So you have to actually go and like talk to people to get answers to some of these questions. And that's kind of exciting. And also thinking about, like I said, it goes by things to be connected, old things to be connected to new things. So just kind of always kind of tracing those connections over time with things could you give an example so one example i guess that i kind of have been working with and this relates to the photo shoot that i did for the magazine for um, sonic acts it's like the thobe which is like um or a jalaba which is like a really long basically a shirt a very long dress worn by mostly men depending on which cultural context um islamic men Uh, uh, Muslim men, uh, people who follow Islam, and thinking about that garment and how it has so many different names. It was actually really hard for me to know how to call the garment because every region that is worn has a different name for it. It has a slightly different cut or the sleeves slightly longer, this or that and that. So like just thinking about like how to even call, how to even get at what this particular item I was talking about was, which I figured it was a though because this one, it's the white garment I'm wearing. It has like godets on the side and it has like um, very small collar and like buttons here that is specifically related to like Saudi Arabia, which maybe came from like Yemen. And thinking about what does that garment represent now? And like, how can I like intervene in like what this garment means and thinking about it in relation to like gender and thinking about it in relation to context and like thinking about we're wearing it here in West Africa, but does it mean something else if I were to wear something else and put it on my body since I'm like not a, a cis man and thinking about those questions and like how does it read to cut that garment up and to make it into something else and it, does it still retain its original kind of context and meaning that it had before it because it's, it's a very old garment so this meaning has been you know traveling with it for like centuries at this point and like how do we contemporary right now intervene with garments or things that has that have such a long history and so many different meanings over time in different regions and how would you how would you work normally do you like visit the places yeah so maybe i can use another example another example i think about i wrote about school uniforms in Senegal, uh, thinking about uniforms that were imposed by colonizers um, during colonizations at a school that was made for hostages and thinking about how was that history related to present day school uniforms. So that means like I had to go and talk to people who are actually part of schools, who are you know, in charge of implementing these uniforms to understand what their philosophy was behind these uniforms, talking to actual students, um, going to the archives to kind of try to see old photos to understand like 
who, what, when, where, what time period, when the things change and why. Try to get like, yeah, just basically trying to get the, the why behind some of the things that we're seeing today. And it's interesting because there isn't um, any documents formally that exist in the national schools kind of ministry that says that people have to wear uniform. So there was something written. It was very much just like having to talk to people to figure out like how and why, who, and what their grandparents were doing. And use that as a reference as well, the images of like their grandparents to figure out what was happening between independence and like the early 2000s in terms of like school uniforms. Yeah, I was just thinking about, you were saying like you are the data thief, right? And there is this connection that I think we sometimes forget between textiles and weaving and, and computation because actually the way that garments are woven is kind of the starting of computation and, re and also the reproduction of images, actually. Yeah, I think our understanding of data maybe is sometimes very limited, especially now that certain algorithms are so complex that they also require very specific data. But data, in fact, that can also be a garment or used to be a garment, actually. So I'm just wondering what that does to you, this like realizing that you are the data thief. I don't know. I think like for me being a data thief, I realize a lot of my contemporaries, we are data thieves. You know what I mean? We exist in this age. And it's interesting to think about this film. It's like the early 90s and like they're hinting at the internet. They're hinting at this kind of like accessibility of archives and being able to go in and out of time through music, in and out of time through archives and like films or whatever in the internet. And I think, yeah, it's an interesting space to be in, but I think it's just because we're coming to a point where like we're so inundated by everything that's come before us and we're so keyed into what's happening after us with everything's moving so quickly that like knowing what to tap into knowing what to pay attention to knowing how to put different elements together to create something new and relevant and powerful than and just to think that we've experienced before is kind of it's a fun place to be I think I'm it's exciting and it's never boring and there's there's always something I know I'm always going to stumble upon something like a conversation or a book or an image or a garment or something that's going to like nourish me and like keep me asking questions about what's happening next and what happened before I was here.
how do you see in terms of like maybe this is a bit abstract but like in terms of like containing time you say that you kind of basically or i imagine you like basically in markets and uh, let's say archives of museums which are quite two different ways of displaying objects and order ordering them and for me it's like super interesting like the navigation between these two like what what creates the order that is in two, these two places I don't know if you have any thought on well I feel like I've become like increasingly aware of like what's in a market today could be in a museum in 100-200 years from now So these are our future artifacts. So these things, they might seem commonplace and cheap to us, and they may not, we might not think very deeply about them, but in 300 years from now, that very cheap plastic thing is going to represent something, you know, from our time period. So these are all future artifacts. Everything holds importance or can be referenced for something in the future. Can you also tell us a bit about the residency and, and how you're kind of approaching it? Basically... The question I was kind of, I initially started the residency with was like thinking about the ways that clothing dies or that clothing dies multiple deaths. And it's not just this ideal of like it being pollution is like its final step. And there, there's there's ways for clothing to live beyond just being clothing that's worn on people's bodies. And the example I have of that is a Jalad Horam, which is like a mound of salt that people use here when they're extracting salt and people cover them with clothing. But it actually turns out, I when you if you didn't know, you would think it's just like pollution because you see like all these giant piles of like clothing. But then talking to people, you realize, that, oh, that each of these mounds belong to someone and they're actually using their own clothing to mark the, the, uh, the salt so they can come back to them later. later. So thinking about how the only way that could exist is because the clothing has a personal meaning. They have, they recognize it as theirs or their children's or their, you know, aunties or whatever. And then like that meaning still stays or still is contained when it becomes now a cover for salt and how it's only that connection through the cloth that it can serve that function as being something that's related to you. So just thinking about clothing in ways that's not just like on our bodies, which thinking about, yeah, just clothing beyond on human Form. Even though it's where it starts a lot of time, it might, yeah, but it, it, it's a possibility for it to be, to go beyond that, I guess. And where are the mediums in which you work? Yeah, so I have a practice of writing and I have a practice of image making. I think that comes from like, I used to model like back in the day and I just love the idea of like getting to try on <laughs> like different clothes and being someone else for a few hours and like getting to like, you know, connect with different designers and makers. And now I feel like it's more like, a oh, I have an image that I can like a vision in my head and I have to go and make it. So it just becomes like, a, let me go and get a garment or, or maybe the garment starts first. Maybe the image starts first. One of those things happens and then I go and try to make these images. And now I've, I've been starting to make videos um, with some of the research I've been doing. And that's been exciting. And I'm going to be making images that aren't just with me. I'm going to be like doing photo shoots with other people. Um, the next few months and I'm going to be publishing some some of my research as well so and also <laughs> sorry, I'm also starting to think about um, fashion in terms of like industry and community so I'm starting a project here in Senegal where I'm trying to start a, a mini cotton mill so to basically transform raw cotton into yarn and into fabric and think about the ways that that can like interact with community.
party people, can you get funky? Suicide force, can you get funky? Those who relate to you get funky? Yeah, just hit me. How do you how do you think somehow like or what were your specific thoughts on how is this connected to the history of the country? Um, yeah, so it is definitely connected um, in the sense that from a little bit of the images I've seen, because salt is extracted quite a few places um, here in West Africa and the world, you know, generally, but this particular method of using clothing to cover it seems to be kind of specific this particular region in the north of the country that I've come across. Um, I've seen images recently of a photo shoot. I can't remember the name of the fashion photographer or the designer, but it was in Ghana and they also have these giant mounds of salt, but they are covered by these woven like um, sticks. So it's like the same thing, but a whole, a different approach and a different aesthetic to how they're deciding to cover it. So just thinking about that, and I, or I've seen like tarps used and stuff like that. So it seems to be kind of a particular method that they've come to use to do their work or to relate to the the salt here. Where are you in your residency? You started because you you gave the talk. Andrea watched also. So I'm still doing research right now. I did make a video on my practice more globally. I'm actually planning a trip next week to go back to the Jalal Horums to make a film and speak more with people there who are actually like making these things. And I hope to produce a film by the end of the month. And I'm also hoping to go and speak with some people because part of my other thesis of the research is like, yes, looking at these, um, the ways that we can misread, I would say clothing as pollution when it's not sometimes you need the cultural background to understand, but also thinking about what garments would never ever end up on this pile of salt and why is that like why are some gar garments so much more important and more dear to, than others so thinking about garments in different registers so i'm hoping to go and speak to some people who kind of give blessings to garments or there are certain garments that are like woven by hand and those would never end up there so think more along those lines and still try to answer my biggest question which is what do people do with clothing they don't want and that's something that i haven't quite figured out the answer to because i've said it before in my research but basically there's a circuit of When in the U.S. or Europe, when you don't want things, you can just give it to charity because it's going to go to a poor country. Here, that's not the case. There is no, quote, poor countries where things are going. So when they don't want things, like, what do they do with them? And I've asked people and I get like a, I don't know. But there has to be an answer because people have clothes and people get rid of clothes. So What do you do with clothes you don't want? So actually, I've had a lot of clothing, like, custom made since I got here because I was, like, so excited about this new system that now I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want to wear any of this ever again because it's like, not me but so i'm having to say i haven't i have not know i don't know what to do with this and my goal is to give it to some little sisters of my friends and i think that might be one of the solutions where things happen and then yeah and if they don't like it maybe they give it away and it gets cut again and transformed again until it fits somebody's taste or somebody's body type i'm not sure we'll see or i just hold on to for, for sentimental reasons <laughs> there's also this thing that i keep some garments and that I don't even fit and probably never fit me, but that I just found somewhere or that someone gave to me, you know, and this is exactly the sentimental reasons that you spoke to, but I also sometimes buy things that I don't fit and I also don't really know who to give to, but I just think like, oh, this is actually a really beautiful piece. Yeah, it's just like looking at it. I Maybe the only 
pleasure that we can derive from clothing isn't just wearing it. It might just be looking at it sometimes or just owning it sometimes. I went to an exhibition in Madrid last week, which was an artist who was one of the pioneers on making fabrics with computational uh, processes. And apart from that, the fabrics were very beautiful. Somehow I was like thinking so much about like the time that goes in making a piece. How do you see it in the piece? And because of this, the appearance of these pieces were like this early computational moment. You kind of saw the remin also the remanence of the fact that the machine was weaving with points somehow. So it was very visible. Whereas for me, like clothes that we own today are much more opaque in the way they are produced. So we don't kind of appreciate them from the perspective of labor, for example, when where you see a piece that is made by someone and you see the knots and the ways it's knotted, you kind of have more attachment to it. But yeah, so I was thinking about um, what you were saying. It makes me think a lot about, I guess number one, just kind of Marx's concept of commodity fetishism, where we're like more and more detached from who made our clothing for obvious reasons, for capitalism. But thinking about, and I was going on a rant about this in one of my classes, like when you think about like what it actually takes to take like a plant, like a seed and go from like plant to fiber, fiber to yarn, yarn to fabric, fabric to cloth, cloth to stores, to retail. It is, it's intense that we're able to basically at this point in history, just print out clothing. That's basically what we do. Like we print, we, we, we sped this process up. We made it so efficient at this point in history that it's like nothing fast fashion it's it's when you when you really think about it it's it's almost like beautiful in like a technological sense if it wasn't so like damning for the environment and for the people and for laborers and everyone involved in the system but it's like i think that fashion or actual clothing production is one of the spaces where like humans are the most advanced where we've done like we've made it one of the most efficient systems of what we, you know, one of the things that we need to do to live, I guess. Yeah, it's so, I mean, that's so interesting. It also stands at the beginning of capitalism in a way, you know, and also the smashing of looms um, and all these kind of like big symbolism is, is so connected to that so that we're almost kind of speaking of coming back to the beginning of, of futurism and, and also resistance that we're almost waiting for a, a similar moment to happen again you know, to that this like ex extracting industry has to kind of grind to a halt at some point or be put to a halt. Yeah, I, I don't feel so very um, um, optimistic about that. <laughs> I uh, know, me neither. <laughs> I think when you think it's like marketing, it's just like, man, they have their hooks into us deep, especially when it comes to fashion. When it, when this is ideal of what we should be wearing, who, from where, what has value, what doesn't have value, what you're supposed to look like. It's so deep, and we all engage in it freely. Like, we all voluntarily continue to engage in these systems. So, it's, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I was also wondering, how do you collect stuff? Do you mostly like make pictures, uh, buy stuff, get it? How do you kind of, how do you make your collection? If you have one, like your personal collection? Well, I'm starting to have a little collection of like jewelry. 
and some fabrics and books and like like vases and stuff like that. Like I found this one recently at a market. Can you see it? And I have this like other one here. But I'm starting to actually buy stuff. I feel like before I was very much like a thing told you down. I don't like material things. So I want to be able to move. But now that I'm getting a bit older and I can imagine myself being in one place for longer periods of time, I'm allowing myself to actually like buy things and take care of them because like I have a dream of like being one of those people when I die that my collection like goes somewhere to like a museum or to like a small collection or I don't know like that'd be really cool I think that's like the biggest flex you can have like a person so you die and your stuff is so valuable and like taken care of that like it becomes like part of a collection (laughs) so that's maybe then the um calling of the data thief no this kind of scavenger <laughs> the end of that is <laughs> to also leave something for others to interpret maybe <laughs> yeah and like i think about it leaving it as a bunch of different items that all have different meanings but what do they say when they're all together and that's for someone else to interpret in the future when you put all these things together what is the overarching overarching ideal or, or whatever <laughs> Maybe you do you want to add something uh, that you would like to keep for the record? Oh, thank you guys for your question. <laughs> But I think it's the thing. I'm, I feel like it's weird. Fashion is like my obsession and I can't get away from it. It's like my home. But I see it, everything is fashion. Like where everything can be interpreted through fashion. So I like try to keep my references and my eyes open for anything and everything. Because it's everything. Like fashion is literally like everything, every day, all the time. So. I think those are great, great closing words. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Devin. Thank you for your time. Fashion is everything. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, bye, guys. Thanks. I smoke my hydro on the day low. Bye,